This is the Dew Sweepers Golf Show, presented by McConnell Automotive on Sports Radio 105.5 FM, online at WNSP.com, and on the WNSP app. The Dew Sweepers is also brought to you by the Taylor Martino Rowan Law Firm, Stokely Garden Express, Taco Mama, and Strixon Cleveland Golf. Now, stepping up to the tee, here's Golf Digest Top 50 and Golf Magazine Top 100 instructor, Tony Ruggiero. Good morning, everybody, and welcome into the Deuce Sweepers on this post-U.S. Open Saturday here. Uh, once again, I'm your host, Tony Ruggiero, here on the Deuce Sweeper Lesson Tee, as I am each and every week. And we've got a special, uh, we've got a special show for you that came from the U.S. Open week. Uh, if you listen to the show, I'm sure you know what we've been doing it a long time. But uh, we have our Tour Coach podcast, uh, which is tapings and recordings from my travels in the world of golf from mobile here to south florida to the major championships or to tournaments or to developing players and um i want to share more and more of these stories with you here because i think some of the content is fantastic for those of you that really love the game of golf um and this week is is no exception and but before i get into that and into the tip of the week and some of the other stuff want to let everybody know look I say this every week, and I mean it every week. I hope none of you ever have the need for an attorney or for a lawyer, but the fact of the matter is, is that in this society, it, uh, it's going to happen. Um, you're gonna, somebody's, something's going to happen to you. You're going to probably have something where you need somebody to represent and get you what you're entitled to, get you what, uh, what you are legally uh, deserve, and if you do that, it's, I always equate it to finding a golf instructor. It's just, you know, if you got, if you, if you, when it comes to picking a golf instructor, you go to the golf magazine top 100 list and you find somebody close to you. You go to the golf digest top 50 list and you find one close to you or you find who's ranked the best in your state and, and you go for that. And then you, then you ask people around you and you say, Hey, who's, who's teaching that kid that's good or, or who's working with that guy at my club that's good, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you know, lawyers, you want, just like when you pick a golf instructor, you want the person that's had the most success, that gets people better the fastest, that's got the most technology, all of those things. Uh, it's no different than when you're picking a lawyer. You want a lawyer that has the most resources, that's got the best experts, that's the most passionate about it, and then more importantly, it's had the most success. And there's nobody better for you if you need legal representation than Taylor, Martino, and Rowan. That's Taylor, Martino, and Rowan. Uh, my friend Ed Rowan there, they've got the most resources, the best experts. And let's face it, they win more cases than anybody. They get more for you than anybody. And there's nobody more passionate, more dedicated, and fight harder for you than Ed Rowan. So, do sweepers, when you need an attorney, go to Taylor, Martino, and Rowan. That's 251-433-3131. That's 251-433-3131 for Taylor, Martino, and Rowan. Uh, you know, uh, we also want to give a special shout out to Blaine Stokely and the friends, uh, our friends, supporters at Stokely's Midtown Garden Center right there at the, at the loop on the government, uh, went in there not long ago. Uh, man, there, I think the thing, it reminds me of just like I always equate things back to golf instruction, but they're the most knowledgeable experts. I've gone into other places around the city looking for plants and stuff for the yard and, you know, people, you know, can't really help you, not necessarily in the mood to help you, 
Well, that's not the case when you walk in Stokely's. Everybody's eager to help you. Everybody's incredibly knowledgeable, and they've got the best selection, and they've got everything that you would need there at Stokely's Midtown Garden Center to make your yard look as good as L.A. Country Club or Augusta National or Oak Hill, wherever the majors are. You want your yard to look like a major? You want to win a, You want to win the yard of the month? Then you need to go to Stokely's Midtown Garden Center. We're going to kind of review the U.S. Open. I mean, it was uh, from TV perspective, it was one of the highest rated, I think, in uh, wow. I mean, I want to say eight, nine years. Um, most likely, obviously, I think being on in prime time certainly helped that a good bit. Uh, we had a wonderful champion, Wyndham Clark, who's played his butt off the last year. If you look at how how what the upward trajectory he's been on. Uh, it's been impressive winning uh, winning Wells Fargo earlier this year to kind of break through, which I think there's some significance to where he won. And I think there's some significance to where players win that will tell you how they'll fare in a major championship. And and uh, Wells Fargo there at Quail Hollow, which has held Ryder Cups, PGAs, really really good hard golf course, and you got to drive the heck out of it. You also got to have a short game. Um, those bode well for guys that win there. It bodes well for playing well at majors. And Wyndham, look, Ricky played phenomenal golf, and I think one of the stories of Ricky busting back into the top 50 in the world uh, is amazing. And also the changes in his golf swing and the work he's done going back with Butch Harmon. Uh, if you look at some of the stuff online and you look at the videos, uh, man, amazing how – different his golf swing had gotten over some of those years to how good it looks now so kudos to ricky and butch and ricky's back ricky is going to win something here soon i know he's a fan favorite it will be good for golf when he does that another close call for rory um you know people have talked about how rory's hitting it i mean i thought rory you know he, he had the one loose drive coming in where he hit a hook um but, I, you know, I, I just felt that neither Ricky nor Rory made any putts on Sunday. And I think the putter, once again, let Rory down. Uh, but he is he is playing golf. I think uh, this live stuff seems to be getting put behind everybody. I think he's getting back to playing golf. I think you'll see Rory up there at the Open Championship here this next month. Uh, but congrats to Wyndham Clark. And what a great U.S. Open it was to sit and watch. Uh I actually enjoyed uh, watching some at home, and Saturday got to see my daughter Abby in Birmingham and went to a wonderful place in here in Birmingham, go to the food bar uh, in Cahaba Heights, really special place. We had a wonderful pre-Father's Day dinner on my way back from Los Angeles, but um, wonderful U.S. Open weekend. Uh, but back to what you're going to hear today. Uh, you're going to hear a little bit. Uh, you're going to hear, uh, hear the podcast and the content that we taped from our rental house um, out at L.A. You're going to hear myself. You're going to hear Justin Parsons. Um, you're going to hear Jackson Court. You're going to hear Eric Larson, who caddied for Harris English. Caddies for Harris English and caddied this past week, so he's in the heat of the fire. And you're going to hear Henry Diana, who played golf actually at Alabama back in the day, and caddy, um, uh, and, and caddies out there on the PGA Tour uh, for Hoagie. Tom Hoagie. So those guys are in the mix. And I thought we thought it was an interesting conversation, an interesting perspective to pick caddies. You know, we talked about the changes that Ricky just went through. Um, what do caddies think about swing changes? What do caddies think about teachers? 
what are the things they think are good? What are the things they think aren't good? What are the, you know, all of those types of things. I, I, these, this was a fascinating to me dialogue between caddies at the highest level and their knowledge. Look, Eric Larson uh, caddied for Anthony Kim. He's seen it all. He's been in Ryder Cups, all the majors. He's been up there. Um, you know, Henry Diana's caddied for so many great players over the years. Uh, had so many wins. Great caddy, very knowledgeable player and teacher as well. He taught for the Golf Digest schools back in the day. So a lot of really cool info here as we play this edition of the Tour Coach for you. And we're going to do that more because I think that some of the content – that if you're a golf fan, it's spectacular for you. want to remind everybody out there that if we've got our camps and our retreats that go on, whether they're up in uh, Philadelphia, Bluebell Country Club up there outside of there at our location there, or whether they're down at Old Palm and Palm Beach Gardens, everything. And, you know, there's we get a lot of people comment on how fun they are and how effective they are, but our retreats and to submerge yourself into – you know, how we teach and how the culture that we create to help you grow your game is different. Uh, it's different than what other folks do, but it's very effective and it's fun and it works. You can find out more about those by going to dosweepersgolf.com. It's dosweepersgolf.com. You can always also follow me on Instagram at the dosweeper, at the dosweeper, or at dosweepergolf on Twitter. Always updates on all of that. And now it's time to go to the Shrixon Cleveland Golf Tip of the Week. And I'm going to give you four ways to lower your scores if you'll eliminate and focus on these four the next time you play. Okay, first of all, uh, no matter what skill level you are, work on eliminating doubles. Okay, I think you can – most everybody can figure out a way to even if you hit a bad tee ball or it's a long hole and you don't have enough distance, to figure out how to get it on in three into the middle of the green, two putt, make a – you know, make a bogey. Eliminate doubles. Focus on eliminating doubles. Eliminate three putts. Now, again, you're going to have to do some speed work on the green, but work focus on eliminating three putts. Eliminate bogeys with wedges. If you have a wedge into the green, you don't have to flag hunt. Don't short side yourself. Still hit it to the correct side of the hole. And then lastly is play the par five smart. Everybody gets on these par fives, and they rip two shots, and they try to force the action. Think about where you're trying to – obviously, the closer you get to the green, all the, the stats and stuff, numbers tell us that's good. But when you get out of position, don't continue to force the action. You've got to get it up by the you, – you've got to take your medicine, and you got to make sure that you don't – you know, you don't make bogeys on par fives if you can avoid it, right? You sure as heck can't make doubles. So on par fives, just be cognizant of if you make a mistake, you've got the extra shot in there. Get the ball back in play. So we're going to eliminate doubles, eliminate three putts, take away bogeys with wedges, play the par five smarter. Those are your four keys that if you eliminate these, you will, I guarantee you, lower your scores without having done anything to your golf swing. And that, my friends, is the Shrixon Cleveland Golf Tip of the Week. we got a great show in store for you. You're going to listen to this uh, this show from, uh, from our podcast uh, with Jackson Court, Justin Parsons, Eric Larson uh, and Henry Diana and myself from our rental house at the U.S. Open. And we're going to have some fascinating conversation. If you love golf, you'll love this conversation. And we'll be back next week with more help for your golf game here on the Dew Sweepers. Watch that backswing and keep it out of the rough. This is the Dew Sweepers Golf Show on WNSP, presented by McConnell Automotive. Once again, your host, Tony Ruggiero. 
you're listening to excerpts from Tony Ruggiero's Tour Coach podcast series on the Sports Station WNSP. If you're a fan of the Dew Sweepers radio show, be sure to find the Tour Coach wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so joining me here, we are doing a this is this has been Content USA right here from LA. From I think we're on the Henry. Are we on the South Side, West Side? I believe the West Side. We're on the West Side. Brady said, uh, "Anyways, and we're we're doing another round table from the from the hizzy." <laughs> Elars over there laughing. Eric Larson, Justin Parsons, Jackson Court, and Henry Diana HD. So we're getting a caddy's perspective tonight, and I think we're really we've kind of been grinding all night talking about performance and things we can do to help people play better. So, JP, I want you to kind of jump in there. Somewhere during the last two nights, you had kind of a masterful thought where you said, hey, let's talk to these guys who are with the player every day, all day on the golf course. We're not able to do that. And find out what they really think about the stuff we do as well as the things they've seen that are really good and the really bad. We don't have to make it all bad like that that good coaches do. Yeah, I think teaching golf and playing golf are – Two very very separated things. I remember coming out my first event, my first PJ Tour event I'd ever kind of been around was the 2012 Honda Classic, and I I, I flew from Dubai to yeah I think probably Fort Lauderdale came up to Palm Beach, and went to the to the event with with Claude Harmon and Butch was still working hard. I, Try to figure out where Butch was. He was in the. Uh, he was in the. There was a Henry. You would tell us there was like a little like a trailer that the caddies used to eat in. Sure, caddy wagon. Caddy wagon. Yeah, the caddy wagon. So yes. Butch was in the caddy wagon talking to a couple of the people that you know the caddies that he was, you know, players he was working for. And it was a real kind of like eye opener for me because you, you, there's the best golf instructor that I'd ever seen and his conduit to. You know what was happening on the golf course w- was with the caddies, and I and I, I thought that was that was really eye opening. And you know, from that moment on, I've I've you know not only enjoyed my friendship with the caddies, but also you know valued their their input, and they've definitely helped me to not screw it up, um, and made sure that you know we're we're kind of working on the same sort of theme. So you know, I think Tony, you're probably starting to think about like you know what things could we do wrong what things did we have we done wrong and you know how is this whole thing kind of intermingled with player performance well for sure intermingled and as you were going through the recollections i was thinking that all of the the best successes like if i look at the players that like i would say i've done my best job with because we've had success and so forth i would say in every one of those instances on the professional level, I had a really, really great relationship with their caddy. And I thought the caddy and I did great jobs. And I, you know, uh, Coop, Donald Cooper with Lucas, who had been with him forever, um, for five, five and a half years, Coop and I were crazy close. Like, but he knew what I was looking for. He could relay that message. I look at Smiley, uh, you know, when he won 
there was a young caddy out here, Aaron Alpern. I don't know if you remember Aaron. Yes. You guys, Aaron did. I, you know, and then John Yarborough was was smiley during our tenure, sure. and I thought both those guys were vastly different. But like, I had great relationships with each of them, and able to be real honest and talk. And I think that's important in what we do. But and they're always really good to me with great feedback. But I'm sure there's things that like they could tell us more sometimes, but they don't want to hurt our feelings. Well, I would I would agree with that. It's just like uh, you know, instruction, caddying. Or, there, there are obviously a lot of similarities. So it's about reading the player, uh, understanding their needs, and uh, the better the teacher and the caddy can be on the same page and and uh, try to help help the player, you know, in the same way. But I, I always felt, um, you know, in the years of me playing and then going into caddying and transitioning into caddying um, and I took a million lessons I, I taught and still teach so um, and I always still think that there's better ways than others maybe and to gather information and, and if you want to say dumb it down for the player and uh, and just basically uh, simplify the whole program I think too many times um, you guys are so smart in what you do. You understand the golf swing to the nth degree. And sometimes a player needs that away from a tournament. Sometimes they do need it at a tournament. But uh, I think it's your, you know, talents, your knowledge, and our ability to read the player, to know if they're uneasy, they're doubting what they're doing. They're, you know, there's a multitude of things that a player can be going through. So... Uh, it, we're more of a sounding board. Obviously, we spend more time than than you guys sometimes with them, and most of the time. So, it makes it easier if we're on the same page. So, how long have you been caddying? Uh, Twenty four years. Twenty four years. Has the players' needs changed? I would say, as the the players, um, how they're learning the game through technology information and gathering information at the ease in which to get information i think the student the player is is learning the game differently and i think that you guys as teachers great teachers are adapting to how these kids are wanting to learn or with the information that is out there so um i think it's you know a great blend and i think that's the art of what you do and i think by me and eric being able to converse with you away from them and maybe try to be on a you know if you want to say dumb it down a little bit to to just keep them their leg calm and when they can come out obviously in the u.s open here and try and play their best well henry one of the things that uh, butch and i talked about through the years you know we talked about what you know when should you give them different ideas thoughts and stuff and like since working on tour we bet I would often think that by Tuesday lunchtime, I really don't want to give them many technical thoughts. Mm -hmm. Like at what point in the week, if you know one of your players was working with a coach and he started giving them a load of things to like do, at what point would you be kind of putting your head in your hands, thinking this is not going to work out great, or or have uh, you know have has a coach given your player? stuff on a Thursday and then he's play great you know you know how how much how how much commonality do you see between like technical thoughts and performance great question I I would say in the times of playing and caddying and then watching you teach or you know 
y'all, y'all teach and I would say as you get closer to competition, the less information is better. I think uh, once you have a week off, you have maybe a Monday to have a roadmap, Tuesday, really refine it. Wednesday, go with more feels, distance control, getting more into a playing aspect of uh, and competing aspect, preparing for the shots that you're going to face in that particular week. I think, you know, it's hard to make a blanket statement because there's times where you could give a, a player, different. yeah, everyone's different, a certain thought on a Wednesday that it clicks and the guy wins the golf tournament by four shots. So to just say a blanket statement, no, you shouldn't do this or no, you shouldn't do that. But I think it's the, it's the art of what you all do that makes you who you are. And being able to read the player, understanding the game enough, understanding the golf swing enough, to really dumb it down so that they can compete at the highest level and hopefully win a golf tournament. And Jackson and I, we actually <clears throat> had a similar conversation on the course today. And, you know, this is Jackson's second time out with me at a major. And obviously, you know, we've worked together a good while, but we were talking and I said, like, you know, so Ben's an amateur. This is his second. I mean, he's play, he played Puerto Rico, but the Masters in here are the two big first tournaments, right? Sure. And And I said, you know, it's talking about how, like, Monday to Tuesday was different. But today, I kind of drifted back during the whole, just kind of let him do his deal. Only thing I ever asked him a couple times was where he was aiming. Told him I thought he aimed right a little bit a couple times. I, You know, I think sometimes he gets feeling – because he gets too open, then we fix it, and then he wants to get too close. You know, so – uh, but like that's always been kind of my philosophy, and sure. you know, is like, uh, and I remember back with Smiley because Smiley would get where he'd want you to film almost every swing, right. and and I kind of learned during that for me for survival, it was best to have to pee a lot, right, and kind of ditch off to a portalette <laughs> and then come back out, <laughs> stuff like that, like drift back where you couldn't analyze, and I found like for me in that. He played better if I wasn't there every swing during a Wednesday. Like Monday, Tuesday was kind of, you know, that was just how I figured it out over a few years of doing it. This is the Dew Sweepers Golf Show, live on 105.5 FM and WNSP.com. Keep it in the fairway with Golf Digest Top 50 and Golf Magazine Top 100 instructor, Tony Ruggiero. You're listening to excerpts from Tony Ruggiero's Tour Coach podcast series on the sports station WNSP. If you're a fan of the Dew Sweepers radio show, be sure to find the Tour Coach wherever you get your podcasts. There's a, there's a certain end of not being overcoached in uh in, in my opinion, and, you know, I, I guess the stories with Jack Grout and Jack Nicklaus where he saw him at the beginning of the season and then maybe one other time during the season. And, you know, back when did that change where players started having to have people out all the time? I mean, because in the early days, you know, sorry, Jackson, I took the mic away from you, but, like, you know, when did that change? And I guess that's what turned what we do, JP and Jackson, into a business a real business being able to go out and do that. But, you know, for years, guys, like you were talking about the old Jack Grout story, like, and my old mentor, Hank, like when he first taught tour players, they just stopped into town sure. a few times a year. 
Well, uh, you know, obviously everything got more convenient. Like when you think about it, you know, back in the day, right. Hogan had to go across the Atlantic Ocean in a ship. It took him three weeks to get to Liverpool, and then he went up, whatever, played, whatever. But, you know, I think, therefore, they have more time. Um, that time has to be occupied with something that they would perceive to being fruitful. So if we're around them, then, you know, we're going to try and add to it rather than detract from it. Sure. Going back to what we talked about in the car on the way to dinner tonight, you know, it's like, you know, Butch always said to us, don't screw them up. So if you have time with them, it's like, you know, you, you go off to the port you know, don't screw them up. And you, you know that they don't need more stuff at that point. So you don't want to interject with more more things. And I think that, you know, it's interesting, you know, when you work with these players, you think, well, the things you don't say are often more important than the things you do say. And certainly in a major championship week, you know, you, you look at players hitting shots and you look at the the curve on the ball or the strike and you go, oh, I would really like to say that, but yeah, probably shouldn't do that at this point in time because, exactly. you know, they've got a little bit of confidence. Maybe they're playing decent. Right. Um, so, you know, that becomes a real judgment of, of coaching. And, I'm, I, you know, I, I'm sure we get it wrong, Henry. And um, I know you guys, you know, we get it wrong talk, plenty too. you guys <laughs> get it wrong and we're, we're yeah. and the players get it wrong and we're all trying to, to work Absolutely. for the common goal. Yeah. There's no question. And, I mean, I always remember what uh, my mentor, Bob Toski, told me. You know, he said, Henry, you know, the only thing you bring to the, to the golf course every day is feel. And, you know, your feel changes. Uh, it evolves no matter how good and how bad you're playing. So you want to always harness or focus on feels. And I think as you get closer to competition and versus mechanical thoughts and, and stuff like that, if you can always coach or even caddy or have the player prepare themselves – in more of a feel aspect as you're getting closer to competition <coughs> competition i think that you know that's going to quiet their their ticker down and i think they're going to be able to play their best henry you worked you're currently for tom hoagie he's a you know brilliant player amazing iron player you worked for uh charles hall the third um for nine years you said yeah eight and a half nine so years. you know as a charles obviously a generational player i would perceive him to be um, incredibly well versed in the technicalities of the game. No was question. that a guy that was able to, you know, like take the coach's stuff on a Wednesday, Thursday, and still be able to play golf? Or you know, what was his? Because I, you know, I've I've gotten to know Charles not the way you would have known him, but um, he seems to be able to like get all that stuff in his head and then dump it down and play golf with it. No question, and I mean, he would be the first to you know admit that. Um, we always joked about if anyone, you know, if a guy said he had all the answers, you know, go the other way. So, but he was always, you know, obviously trying to gather as much information and he would, you know, we would try to dumb it down as much as he could. And even though he hit a lot of golf balls and, you know, he loved it and I don't think it hindered him. I just think that at times, and he would, I think self-admittedly as, you know, we worked together later and longer and more years that, he focused more on the short game and more, you know, got more engrossed in the putting. And, um, but I, I think, you know, his knowledge of, of the game is as good of, as yeah. good as any player that obviously is, is playing the game. So uh, yeah. he's interested. He loves the golf swing and sure. he loves the technicalities of Absolutely. the golf swing and how it works. And to some degree that can be a weakness for those guys. Cause they, they get into the finer details and get, you know, to your point, get away from the scoring. Sure. Absolutely. And just, you know, I would say 
it wasn't a criticism, but I would say that he practiced, and I was the same as him when I tried to play, was working more on form versus hitting shots, practicing, you know, both directions a little bit more and versus just being more working on form, just trying to draw the ball, just trying to try to do certain things. So I think that that would be uh, one thing that I've certainly learned from caddying or, and standing afar after I quit playing. And, and I think that uh, the best players are more organized for sure, and they have a plan, they have more regiment, and there's a reason for success, there's a reason for being mediocre, and there's a reason for failure. Well, I'm, I'm watching uh, you're one of my favorite caddies, making some milkshakes here. <laughs> and he caddied for Anthony Kim, who was definitely a generational player. Um, had an unbelievably efficient, powerful golf swing. Um, incredible iron player. Um, I'm going to get him to sit down here and, and talk a little bit about Adam Schreiber, who is a great coach. One of our great, one of our great friends here, um, and obviously a very, you know, technically astute golf coach. You know, we, we see him with Sam Ryder, and he's, you know, he's. I watch Sam hitting these incredible like left arm shots with his right arm across his left arm, and you know, he, he stands up on these little Bosu balls and he does his his bits and pieces. But I am going to coerce Eric Larson to come and talk a little bit about Anthony Kim in a moment. He's still stirring a milkshake over here to my left. I'm waiting on my milkshake, though, because there's been a lot of great parts of this week so far. That's very near the top. <laughs> One of the things I, th- I, I want to ask both of you guys, and we'll start with HD, and I, we're not, this is not a naming names type deal. This is more of like a things that happen. So, like, when a player's not playing good on Wednesday – over your years of experience, what are some of the worst things you've seen teachers like me do to try to fix it with their players? That you just know from your experience, when you hear it comes out of our mouth or we say it's our idea, you and your head are like, uh-uh. Yeah. Oh, I would definitely say even for my failures that, you know, uh, just simplifying the program, the simplifying the process, refining your fundamentals, uh, the natural instinct is to over-teach, over-coach, over-caddy, tell too much. Uh, I'm as guilty, and that's what I've learned through the years. So when you say over-teach, over-caddy, let's just say over-caddy. Like, I, I'm thinking from a teaching prospect, that's like – and I remember doing it. I know I've done it. We're like, things start going wrong, and I think i got to keep giving you an answer. That's right? exactly right. Right? Yeah, for sure. And um, you know – and that's the art, I think, of our job mm-hmm. and the relationship and the longer relationship you have with the player that, you know, it's obviously a marriage in a lot of ways. But if the better you can read your player, the better that, you know, so that you can say less. You know, these guys are out here for a reason. They're the best players in the world. And uh, the better that you can have them play by instinct and feel and versus mechanical thoughts, I think they're going to get the rest of the way and they're going to succeed because they've proven it before and they'll prove yeah. it again. So – you know, and this is where going back to like some of Butch's stuff. To some degree, you could imagine that what we do and what you do, there, there'd almost be like a juxtaposition with, uh, absolutely. like, you know, you're there trying to get them to free up and be feely, and we're there trying to, ref, you know, refine all the fundamentals. And I think that's, you know, that's the genius of Butch, where 
create relationships with the caddies so we're all kind of working on the same page and um you know i think that 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 works that works really really well when we all come together and we can kind of figure it out absolutely and i and it's not a knock to a teacher a lot of times that happens but the caddy is out there spending more time than the teacher under the gun most time the teachers go home it's competition starts we're the only one really obviously seeing the competitive side and there are things that afar it would be easy for you and Tony and Jackson to see than say even us. So mm-hmm. um, I think that's a maybe not a, a detriment, but it would be a help if coaches could be, you know, see more competitive rounds, more competitive shots versus range work. Yeah. I think that it, you know, it, it pays a, a bigger dividend, I think, in the end. And I think you could even, uh, you know, it would improve the whole whole situation and i think the caddy player teacher relationship will just even improve that much more watch that backswing and keep it out of the rough this is the do sweepers golf show on wnsp presented by mcconnell automotive once again your host tony ruggiero you're listening to excerpts from Tony Ruggiero's Tour Coach podcast series on the sports station WNSP. If you're a fan of the Dew Sweepers radio show, be sure to find the Tour Coach wherever you get your podcasts. Well, we have a few generational players. I think Lucas Glover is close to it, Harris English, but Anthony Kim is definitely mm-hmm. a generational player. Um, Schreiber and him, you know, Elars, you work very, very hard with those boys. How would you, you know, because obviously that you're, 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 we're dipping back into the past, like 10, 12, 15 years ago. Great mechanics, great technique. Still a field player, or, or, or what way did that all work? Well, first of all, Adam Schreiber worked with, with uh, Anthony Kim since he was 13 or 14 years old, so he's basically been his only coach and uh, had video of him from when he was a kid all the way up till. I was caddying for him, so it was kind of interesting to see the progression over the years. But um, great fundamentals, um, field player. Sometimes he'd get off sync a little bit. Adam would straighten him out. But Anthony worked really hard off the course at times. People wouldn't believe it, but he'd come to tournaments prepared a lot of times and then not work as hard at the tournaments on when I caddied for him and he did a great job with him but the misconception with Anthony is he didn't work at it no he then I don't think a lot of people were doing it with the medicine balls and and stuff wow. it, bands and stuff yeah and uh yeah I mean it was fun watching <clears throat> him work as hard and the results weren't as good and then he got <laughs> injured and he was fighting the injuries more than anything the last year I caddied for him. Not not very much. No, sometimes the putter would go cold. Um, but he had all the shots. I mean, there really wasn't a weakness in any of his shots because he could hit it high, low, left, right. And his short game was, was really strong as well. It's just a matter of how much time he would put in preparing for certain tournaments as the second year that I caddied for him. I don't think he worked as hard due to injuries and what have you, but uh, 
most talented uh, individual I've seen yet. That was a lot of good info there. I'm still kind of taking that in. So, HD, I'm going to go to you with this. So you talked about importance of us watching play. You think it might be better if we came on Wednesday instead of Monday and we watched them warm up on Wednesday, play nine holes, and then watched them play Thursday, Friday, and go home? There's no uh, – I would I would definitely agree with that, you know, and, and that's not a criticism. I, I just think that uh, it's more beneficial for teachers, caddies, you know, just to see in competition. One, you know, range, the range is one thing, and like we always joke that, you know, the second man on the putting green flies private. So, I mean, you know, just being able to um, – be able to handle it, and how do you react on, under pressure in those situations like tomorrow in the U.S. Open, you know, when things are going wrong and, you know, how much do they change, you know, their, their tempo, their alignment, uh, their tendencies of whatever they're doing in their golf swing that you believe, you know, that they do under pressure, and they're, they're magnified by pressure, and, and pressure makes you do things that you normally wouldn't do on the range on Tuesday. And, uh, and, I, and that's what I feel, and I, I definitely agree with that. I think it would be – of an instructor, you'd be better served to come and watch and observe when it really matters. Because, you know, I think you'll get a greater judge of what the, what the tendency of the player is. Well, it's, you know, it's interesting you say that. I mean, from, you know, Eric and I work for Harris English, and, like, Harris definitely benefits from growing confidence on range sessions. And, play, you know, everyone's different. Um, Henry That's and I true. understand Everybody's that. But different. Like when, 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 when Harris does a range session, hits like some good wedges, you can always see him walking away, Eric, and he's like he's happier with the whole process. And I think if he pitched up on a Wednesday or, if, or, or you know, let's say I was only there on a Wednesday of a, of a major, he's not like getting that building thing. Like he pitched up today and he just said, goodness, I, I, I pretty much feel ready to go. I'm just going to go out there. I'm going to, you know, do my putting drills, go out, walk a couple of holes. You guys had a couple of different bits and pieces you wanted to get through. But I think Monday, Tuesday helped him to get to that point. Um, often, you know, I do feel like, you know, we're kind of like an afterthought. You know, we, you know I'm leaving on Friday. You know, Tony's leaving on Saturday. So, you, you know, you think to yourself, well, like if Monday, Tuesday don't really that matter that much, like what is our like true role here? And again, I think everyone's a little bit different in that regard. And, yeah. you know, sometimes... I really, I'm not to interrupt you, but I, I agree with that. I just maybe don't want to uh, misconstrue what I'm trying to say. I, I think maybe just being able to watch a little more competitive rounds versus practice and preparation might, you know, have you look at the game through a different different lens when you are when you are working with these guys. And so. I'd say this, that's why I'm just kind of I've done this at various times is uh, especially if you know I don't have six guys, but you're in one of those years where you got one or two guys or whatever. Like I'll I'll just pick some weeks where you know you're watching a player go and like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, everything seems good, and you're trying to figure out why they're making cuts or barely missing them, but they're like, when they make the cut, they don't do much. You know, that's where I'll say, hey, you know, this week I'm going to come in on Wednesday and watch Thursday, Friday, or whatever. You know, that, I've, I've changed the – I've tried to rotate that through during the year, you know, and, I mean, 
this has kind of worked for me. And, and a, a microphone. You know, but I've also not – I've had a couple times where I've had four or five guys, but but fortunately or unfortunately, however you want to rate it, like, you know, I think it gets harder the more guys you have to be flexible with the type of schedule where you can react to what an individual needs. Yeah, and, and, and a microcosm of that, you know, talking about – giving golf lessons, you know, for where I am at Sea Island. Like if I'm, I'm, I've got 30 minutes with a player, I'm going to look at his golf swing or her golf swing and I'm going to give them some swing instruction. And I'm in a fortunate position where i got an hour and a half with people or three hours and sit, sit together in the office, talk to them about what's going on. And then all of a sudden it's the bunker play and it's nothing to do with the golf swing. And I think, you know, to some degree, like what you're talking about, when you don't see them play, Right, you just go back to the golf swing all the time, and sure. then the instructor just becomes, "Oh, he's just going to give me swing lessons." Sure, and that may or may not be what they need. Sure, um, you know, and maybe it's a it's a, a flighted shot into the wind, or it's some sort of shot off the tee that they need. But right, you know, if you if you just go to mechanics all the time, I think it weakens the whole process. I totally agree. I I, I don't have enough time because uh, you know you're you're the best in the world at what you do, and um, you know. The, the smarter you are about the game and you all are so well schooled about the game, the golf swing, uh, you know how to dumb it down. And I think it's just our communication as caddies, the knowledge that we have, uh, the little things, the, you know, the intricate things that we see possibly in competition. But, you know, there, there's so many situations where a guy was lost on Tuesday or, you know, Scott Hamilton did something great or even, you know, a multitude of teachers that, that helped in some way and uh, got these guys squared away so they can go out and play. Yeah, you know, sure. And that's, that's the most rewarding thing for you all, I'm sure. All right, we're going to wrap this up with comments from the great one. <laughs> well, I've been fortunate enough to work for some very good players, and every situation is different, like JP was saying. But uh, Mark Kalkovacchia, Ken Green, they both worked with Peter Costas and – they didn't see him a lot, but when they did, it, it always meant a lot to them, and they could talk to him on a phone and key on something. He wasn't out there visible as much as uh, JP is or Adam Schreiber was, but it was interesting to be able to see how he would just give them a few things to key on, and they would run with it. And uh, obviously they were great players back in the late 80s, 90s. Calc had a great career. Uh, Jeff Overton worked with Craig Harmon. He would see him once in a while. Craig would never travel. Once in a blue moon, he might come to the Players' Championship, but uh, he was very good for Jeff. Um, Jeff didn't need somebody out there all the time, so every situation is different. With Harris, when I first started with Harris, he had a few different golf coaches, and he was searching a little bit, frustrated. And fortunately enough, uh, Justin Parsons came to town and uh, got him right on track and uh, changed changed everything. And Justin and I formed a great relationship to be able to talk about uh, Harris and, and how he's progressing from day one. And it's been a, a great team to watch Harris grow as a player and a person. And then he unfortunately got injured, and it's been another – uphill battle again um and i think we got him on the right track again or i should say jp i'm just trying to do my job but to have that communication with a golf coach as a caddy 
is, I think, very, very important because we can give him a lot of good information. You got anything you want to add to that? No, I, I agree. I mean, it's just, um, you know, I, I just feel that, you know, what you do and, you know, for the people listening, I think that, you know, what they can take away from it is obviously to have uh, a solid foundation, you know, simplify your program, have regiment of what you're doing, uh, refine your fundamentals. And I think that, you know, if you can simplify any any game or try to simplify the game, you can make it as complicated as anyone has made it. But I think that uh, over the long haul, you're going to see uh, more success than failure. Great to have uh, Henry and Eric with us. Uh, the caddies, they've knocked their backsides in. Mm. They've got long weeks. You know, they don't travel private planes. Um, they're a big part of the success. Um, would the players be as successful without them? Possibly not. Would they be as successful without us? Possibly not. We don't really know. So we just got to continue to do our best. So here's to them. Jackson. No, that's great. We need to hear more from that. <laughs> no doubt about it. It was and, and and then lastly, just thanks. I mean, I think the whole thing is it's teamwork, right? Like, and you, I thought what you said, Elar, was so good about how you know you form such a good team in HD and the guys I've been around. I mean, every one of the really good, fun success stories. There's been like three, four, five people involved, like, and you really every everybody hugging when something good happens. That's kind of what it's all about. And, no yep, guys, it's going. We're starting the fun part of the week tomorrow. But thanks, uh, Eli. It's, it's their part of the week, Tony. We yeah. can we can kind of chill out now. Oh yeah. Eric, uh, Henry's drinking water. Eric's drinking milk, and we're drinking wine. So they've got work to do. We're was that, just was that doing not it. the way it's supposed to be. Correct. <laughs> thanks, guys, for everything.